The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Okay, so today we are in the final part of our series on bold steps. We are in part four of bold steps. Bold steps, part four. And um, in in the first part, we had an introduction to the series and um, laid the foundation. And in the second part of bold steps, we looked at taking bold steps in relationships, in our relationships. And um, in part three, which was last week, we looked at taking bold steps towards God. Towards God. If you missed any of those, um, please catch up um, online on those. And today we are, we are taking it further. This, this series could easily be a 12-part series because um, we could look at taking bold steps um, financially, taking bold steps in the supernatural and, and in different other areas. But we're going to kind of bring everything together this morning and, um, and look at taking bold steps in our lives. Taking bold steps in our lives. Our text is Proverbs 28, bold steps in life. Proverbs 28 verse 1. Proverbs 28 verse 1. The word of God says in Proverbs 28 1, the wicked flee, though no one pursues. But the righteous are as bold as a lion. The wicked flee when no one pursues. But the righteous as bold as a lion doesn't mean we don't have bold, wicked people. And doesn't mean we don't have timid, righteous people. So we have people that are wicked and are are bold about it. And we have people that are righteous and are timid about it. But what is God saying here? God is saying that wickedness has a way of making you afraid for nothing in most cases. And righteousness as a way of infusing courage, infusing courage in you. The righteous is as bold as a lion. Righteousness as a way of infusing courage in you while evil or wickedness as a way of sapping life out of you. And many times we are Afraid of things that we ought not to be afraid of. When you find yourself overly fearful, you need to check your source of righteousness. You need to check. You need to check. Am I drawing my source of righteousness from God or otherwise? Um, I've said this story before. Um, some time ago, I was praying, and I, I, I pray at, mostly at late in the night, midnight, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., 3 a.m. And I, I was outside um, of my house. Um, I was in the compound, but outside of my house. So I, I, I was standing or sitting, I can't remember. So, but I was, I was praying, I was still. And in prayer, I, I, you know, when I closed my eyes, and I don't know how long I've been there for, and I just opened my eyes, and at a distance um, like this between myself and, and this, uh, Mike Stein was an owl. Oh, you know, they have big eyes. And the thing just sat to stood. I don't know if it was sitting or standing. You know, you, you, can you tell where they are sitting or standing? It was standing, okay. He was standing there and was staring straight at me. 1 a.m. I looked at it and I was like, hmm, what a beautiful creature of heaven from God. <laughs> God made owls, right? And I, I continued to pray. And I went to a start, it flew away. Most people, the blood of Jesus. We have applied the blood of Jesus to things that we have no business applying the blood of Jesus to. You know, most people will begin rebuking, I bind you how? In the name of, I mean, all sorts of engagements will happen. You raise your voice at the top of your, you know, and you call your ass fellowship leaders. You won't let your ass fellowship leaders sleep. 
you know, they've come from the village. But the righteous is as bold as a lion. So why would you do that? Why, why do people do that? Because they are, they are afraid. Because it's just fair. The owl is just a bird. If, 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 you, if, you, if you're praying and you open your eyes and you see a mosquito, would you, would you be afraid? Why would, why would you, or you say fly, why would you be afraid? Because they fly. But the owl can be from the village. And it can be strong, right, spiritually. I'm not discounting that. But what I'm saying is, yes, greater is he that is in you that's, than he that is in the world. Even if the owl is sent from the village. If he comes close to you and your eyes are closed and you're praying, what will happen to the owl? To die. To die. There's no confusion about that. And we're afraid of things. People are afraid of their spouses. They're afraid to sleep. You know, say, I can't sleep. Why? Because, because I had a dream. And in that dream, you were trying to strangle me. The spouse was trying to strangle you. Your spouse, your wife was trying to strangle you in your dream. Then you can't sleep because if you sleep, she will strangle you. But she has not strangled you for the past five years. And now is the time. But what if God is revealing our hearts to you? Many times, it's just fear. It's the devil, and it has nothing to do with God. Praise the name of the Lord. The righteous are as bold as what? As a lion. Bold as a lion. The righteous. So the, 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 the place of righteousness is huge and, and, and key. You know, last week we looked at um, taking bold steps towards God. When you are able to kneel before God, as they say, you should be able to stand before any man. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, it's normal for you to be a child of God and you're afraid to, to meet with your boss calls, I need to see you in the morning. And you're afraid. Okay, it's good to respect your boss, but your life is not in his hands. Praise the name of the Lord. You have no reason to, for your knees to be knocking. But what if he fires you? If God allows it, then God has a bigger door for you. Praise the name of the Lord. The righteous are as bold as a lion. So why would God use the analogy of, or the example of a lion. Why didn't God say the, say the righteous are as bold as a chicken? The righteous as bold as a as a cat. Why, why a lion? Proverbs 30 tells us something about the lion. That the lion, the king of animals, who won't turn aside for anything. The lion, would, I mean, that's what the Bible says. So why is the lion the king of the animal? Why of the animals? Why won't the lion turn aside from anything? If you look at the lion, the lion is not the fastest animal. The lion is not the, 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 the strongest. The fastest, you could say, is cheetah. The lion is not the strongest. The strongest, you could say, at least the lion is not stronger than a rhino. The lion is not the biggest. The lion is not bigger than an elephant. The lion is, is not the nimblest. The lion is not as nimble as a monkey. The lion is not the most intelligent animal. The lion is not as intelligent as a chimpanzee or tortoise. If you, if you, if you, I mean, how many of you were told stories of tortoise when you were growing up? <laughs> the tortoise. So, 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 uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> sometimes my wife would say to me, you know, when we're just hanging out, you know, I mean, and you know, she says to me, okay, tell me a story, you know. So, I've told her many tortoise stories, you know. 
So one day she says, tell me a story. I said, what's the problem? I said, I don't want to hear thirty story. <laughs> I said, but that is all I know. Thirty story. So I changed from thirties to something else, which was thirties in my mind. The, 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 the lion doesn't turn aside from any other. So the, the lion is not, is not the strongest, it's not the fastest, it's not the biggest, it's not the most intelligent, it's not the nimblest, but yet the lion is the king. The lion is the king. Many of us, we write ourselves off because we are not the smartest, because we are not the strongest, because we are not the most beautiful, because we are not the most intelligent, because we are not the most nimble. We, we think we cannot be the king in the destiny that God has created for us because we are not the strongest and the lion is showing us that you don't have to be the strongest, you don't have to be the fastest, you don't have to be the most intelligent, you don't have to be the nimblest, you don't have to be the most beautiful, you just have to have an attitude that flows from who you are. The lion, all the studies shows that there was nothing apart from the fact that it, the lion has this attitude of, of, of leadership, of, of authority, of influence. That when it walks into a space, it takes authority over the space. And that is how God wants you to be as a Christian. So the lion, at, lion's attitude flows from what the lion perceives himself to be. Not from the strength he has, or from the intelligence it has, or from the, or from the, the, the speed it has. The lion won't turn away because the lion feels, who else, who should I turn away from? The lion doesn't see any other animal. The lion sees the elephant. The lion sees a meal. The lion sees a cheetah. The lion sees lunch. The lion sees a monkey. Ah, he sees um, snack. <laughs> Your attitude determines everything. Your attitude determines everything. How you step into, and, and I'm not talking about arrogance. There's a difference between arrogance and attitude that flows from your self-worth. A lot of people are actually arrogant because they don't know who they are. So if you think you are small, you need to be aggressive so that you can harass people so that they can respect you. But if you know who you are, you can be calm. If you are insecure, then you need to monitor this, monitor that, put this person down, pull that person down. That's not confidence that comes from self-worth. That's arrogance that comes from a complex. So if you, if you feel that you are not um, beautiful, then you have to wear makeup until you look like a masquerade. I've done the against makeup. I've done the against makeup. Praise God. God bless the beautiful men that are putting on makeup. Do I get an amen? Okay. But I'm saying, we have also seen some masquerade looking so for a believer for a believer the attitude must flow from who you are in God who you are in God Psalm 107 says to us Psalm 107 verse 2 the King James version of the Bible says let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say so. The word say so is to, to verbally declare. In other words, show it. You are the redeemed of the Lord. Show it. You are the redeemed of the Lord. Show it. You are a son of the most high God. Show it. Let it show in your attitude. When you are engaging even your enemies, let it show in your attitude. Let, don't feel that you have to um, um, put yourself down. The question is, are you a child of God? How should a child of God behave? Are you royalty? You know, Abraham and Isaac, the servant couldn't ask questions. Isaac asked Abraham, I mean, where is the sacrifice? 
The difference between the servant and the son is the son has an attitude. It's not, it's not, the attitude is not arrogance. The son knows this is my dad. I don't understand this. I will ask. The slave is not like that. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. The, the NLT um, translation says, as the Lord redeemed you, then speak out. Then let it show. Then let it show. Then speak out. Then let it show. Let it show. Let it show. And that is how the lion behaves. The lion is the king of the animal and he will not turn aside. Why? Not out of arrogance. Because the lion says, Ooh, I have not seen who I will turn aside for. I have not seen. I have not seen. He sees giraffe. Ah, he says this one. This one. If I eat this one, I won't have to work again for the next one week. He sees food. The male lion sleeps for 20 hours in a day. Just rolling. The female lion that does a whole lot of the work, you know, and brings it home as a virtuous woman. <laughs> while, while the male lion just, you know. So today I'm going to share three things that are, that are crucial in taking bold steps in life. These three things are totally indispensable. Of course, I mean, I reckon them to be indispensable in, in taking bold steps in, in life. And, and, and the first is this, in taking bold steps in life. We shouldn't confuse outrage with courage. Outrage is not courage. Outrage is not courage. Years ago, I had a friend, you know, um, the early part of my secondary school years were, was in the military school, and so I had, I had friends that whose parents and siblings were in the, in the army and all that. So one of my friends was, was telling us the story of how his brother, who, if I, if I remember well, was a captain or something um, in the army, went partying with one of his friends, and they were coming back at the wee hours of the morning and all that, and, you know, they were stopped. Back in the day, they, we used to have military roadblocks, and they were stopped by um, some soldiers who were obviously, I mean, maybe lance corporals and so, and so forth, and, but they had guns, you know, and, they, and the friend knew he was riding with a captain, even though they were mostly, they were coming from a party. So the friend was confident that, ha, you people, you don't know who I'm with, I'm with a captain, you know. So the, um, the soldiers told them to get out of the car, you know, told them to sit on the floor, you know, took some money from them, and in the process of searching them, they went through his wallet, and they actually saw that it was a soldier, and it was the captain, and he said, oh, you know, Sean, sir, oh, sorry, they want to return the money, the guy says, no, they can have the money, they should just give him his wallet, he thanked them, I know, his friend was boiling, friend was infuriated, you know, and he got into the car, and they were going, and the friend was like, I can't believe what you did, what, why don't you, you're a captain, and the guy said, huge, I never forgot, long time ago, the guy said, you don't argue with a man with a gun, you don't argue with a man with a gun, every soldier that knows this onions, knows that the bullet does not respect rank. It does not. So, if, if, you, if, you, if you out of outrage, you, do you know who I am? Have you heard that in traffic? Do you know who I am? I mean, even people that, I mean, I mean nobody's nothing, right? But even people that, they're like, okay, so who are you? <laughs> particularly, particularly the women, they will start calling They are calling one. <laughs> they are calling their husbands. <laughs> that will come and show you Pepe, right? So, I mean, it's, and it's a huge lesson for me. Don't argue with a man with a gun. What if one of them was drunk? What if, what, what, what if, what if he was drunk? And pulls out his gun. Boom, what happens? 
What happens to your captainship? Many times we think we are being courageous when we are just acting out of rage, not knowing that we are actually doing ourselves a disservice. And the confusion comes because both outrage and courage requires bold steps. Outrage just stems from indignation, while courage stems from inspiration. Outrage, you are angry. You need to make a point. Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says to us that don't be hasty in your spirit to get angry. For anger rests where? In the bosom of fools. Anger rests in the bosom of fools. Don't be hasty to get angry. If you are known to be an, a hungry or an angry a person. If we spoke to your house hell and your house said, ah, madame, they bear eggs. Madame, they're always angry. There's a problem. There's a problem. If we spoke to your driver and he says, ah, <laughs> when Oga, Oga, they're angry, it's a problem. I'm not saying you shouldn't get upset. Nobody, the Bible says be angry but not, not sin. But the, the key thing is this. You need to control your anger. No one becomes the best that God has created them to be being angry. In fact, creativity and anger are mutually exclusive. You cannot be angry and be creative at the same time. You can't. You can't be angry and be creative at the same time. You can't. You can't. Elisha. Was it Elisha or Elijah? That needed the minstrel? Elijah. Elisha. Someone should help me. Okay. Elijah something. So, one of them. One of them. Now, he was so angry. <laughs> and, okay. Prophesy. Prophet. There was no creative because prophecy is, is, is spiritual creativity that brings what, that creates from what is not, from what, what is from what is not. That's prophecy. So, he couldn't. They needed to bring a minstrel to play. Then he needed to calm down before he could connect. Your anger is not scaring anyone. Have you noticed? Nobody actually gets angry or uh, afraid when you are angry. Ah, he said, Pastor, it's because you don't know me. If you know me, everybody gets angry, afraid when I'm angry. (laughs) Check. When you turn your back, they are mocking you. Your anger serves no purpose. Unfortunately, some people think their anger is their tool, is their weapon. It's their weapon of offense. It doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help anybody. Another translation um, puts it this way. The NLT says, control your temper. Control your temper. For anger labels you as a fool. So when you don't control your temper, you are wearing a badge that everybody else can see. Many times, but not you. And that badge reads what? Fool. 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 I'm going to get angry. I said, fool. I said, I'm a fool. I'm a fool. I'm a fool. And the truth is, nobody wants to be associated as, as a fool. But really, that is what you are. You are being labeled as a fool. Because you should not be known by your anger. Another translation, um, the voice puts it this way. <laughs> it says, don't be quick to anger. For anger sits comfortably in the lap of fools. Anger sits comfortably in the lap of fools. Anger is, is, is the companion of the fool. So before you walk out on that job, calm down. Control your anger. God will not say control your anger if you can't control it. Pastor, this is hereditary. We have it running in my family. Once we are angry, it is in our blood. We break things. 
If we don't break things, the anger does not come down. We have to break things first. Then the anger will, <laughs> anger will come down. That means there's been a line of foolishness running through your family. It will come to an end on you in the name of Jesus. It says comfortably, comfortably in the laps, in the lap of fools. So before you walk out on that relationship, calm down. Before you walk out on your marriage, calm down. Calm down. Before you walk out on Nigeria, calm down. Some people are so angry. I'm going to, I'm checking out. I'm leaving Nigeria. Be going. Be going. Those of us who take the remaining wealth, after all, it can go around. It will be able to go around where. <laughs> are you, who are you, who are you shakarayin? I, I know some people, if God leads you to go, I'm not saying you shouldn't go. Don't get me wrong. Praise the Lord. As long as it's God. But Listen. Before you let anger wreck your life, control it. Control it. It must not sit comfortably on your lap. Ah, ah. Push it away. If something is sitting on your lap, it must have your permission. It must have your permission. So, so for anger to be sitting comfortably, sit comfortably on your lap, you have to have given it permission or be enjoying the company. So, before you take that fight to your boss, calm down. Tomorrow is Monday, I'm going to tell him off. God is saying what? Calm down. Before you take the fight to your landlord, calm down. If you don't want to know what it means to sleep under the bridge, calm down. And, and this is so, so important. Before you take the fight to your parents, you know, some people actually fight their parents. We have children that take their parents to court. Not mostly in our culture, but interestingly, you know, the Western culture is, is really influencing ours. Good and bad. Good and bad. So we have people outside of the country whose 19, 20-year-old children are taking them to court, Nigerians. And the parent is just thinking of how to smuggle them and bring them back to, <laughs> to Nigeria. Before you demand, my grandmother would say, that before you demand the death that killed your father, make sure you have a sword in your hand. Because if you don't have a sword and you're demanding the death that killed your father, you discover that that same death it's still alive, you have not. <laughs> My point don't confuse outrage with courage. Don't. There's a video that you know, was sent to me multiple times this week by different people, and I, I've sent it, shared it with a few other people. You, know, you may have seen it. It's about a, a dog that has been listening to some motivational speakers. I decided to take on a tiger. You know? Let's have the video. There is a difference between audacity and conquerability. No, that's, that's, not, that's not an English word. That, that's not an English word. Let me say the English word. There's a difference between audacity and foolishness. That's, come on. Before you take a fight with a tiger, now, that dog, you know, they say that it's a big name that kills a small dog. Maybe the owner has been calling the dog tiger. You know, some dogs, they call them, oh, uh, jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> eh? Lion. So, so if if they be telling you that you are lion, you are lion, you are tiger, you are tiger, you should tell yourself <laughs> the truth. The truth. 
Unfortunately, unfortunately, the big name killed the small dog. The dog was enraged. The dog was barking. Did you hear any word from the tiger? None. The fact that you are barking does not mean you have victory. So just calm. Just calm down. The dog was angry. The dog was on the offensive. The tiger stepped back and said, ah, what's going on here? The dog wouldn't relent. And the tiger took, took care of the dog. For us, you should understand your limitations. You should understand your limitations. You should seek to be greater, but you should understand your limitations. Don't go and pull the tail of a tiger if you are just a dog. Say, but, but is it that timidity? <laughs> no. That is common sense. It's a simple common sense. You know, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to flip this in many ways. Just stay with me. For the, so, so that's one way. Another way is this. For us as Christians, we may look small like that dog. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So, but we won't behave like that dog, right? So people can underestimate you. But by the time the lion of the tribe of Judah manifests, that, ah, we thought it was a small fry. I mean, I can tell you stories of, stories of my life, how people, big people, will try and intimidate you and think they will go for free. And I say, you won't go. They say, you, you. We'll go for free. I say, okay. We shall see. Why? Because greater is he that is in us. In fact, you should live your life in such a way that you are underestimated. People underestimate me a lot and I love it. I love it. I love being in a place. You know, so if, if you... If you don't have your self-worth in place, when people underestimate you, you feel that you feel insulted. You feel um, you feel you need that, you need to make a point. No, you don't. If you have your self-worth in place, if people underestimate you, what happens? You smile. You smile. You know, they say that the needle will be small. Have you heard that before? But it's difficult to swallow. The ones that insist on swallowing the needles will not live to tell the story. Let that be. So that people can say, like, like the word of God says in Deuteronomy 32, um, 30, um, I, I know it's not in my notes, Deuteronomy 32, 30, it says that how can one put a thousand to flight and two put 10,000 to flight. If their rock did not help them. If their rock. And he says, in, in the next verse, he says, he says, our rock is not like their rock. The enemy has a rock, small letter C, rock. But our, the rock of the enemies is not like our rock. And even they, they recognize it. Our rock is the rock of ages. So when you are Recording victories that you, that you know. <laughs> You're like, people are like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, just a small boy. Uh, it's okay. You see, when you see people say you're a small boy and you feel you need to answer, something's wrong with you. When people say you're a small boy, smile. When people say you're a small girl, do what? Just smile. Time will tell. You see, they say that when the wind blows, Praise the name of the Lord. So, so the key 
thing is that you are not to confuse outrage with courage. Number two, and it's, it's kind of dovetails from there, is that don't confuse outrage with courage. Number two, yes, you should take bold steps. Yes, you will be taking bold steps. A lot of you have been and you will continue to take bold steps. But do not rush. Don't rush. Don't rush. Don't rush. Don't rush. Don't be hasty. Ecclesiastes 5, 1 to 2 says when you come to God's presence, don't be hasty. Don't be hasty in making a vow. Don't be hasty in, in making promises to God. Don't, don't be hasty. Don't say, oh God, yes, if, you, if you give me this job, you know, that is a seven-figure job for the first, first fruit. Me, I will go beyond first fruit. For the first six months, I'm going to give you my salary. Month one, Month two, month three, say, ah, God, go easy. This is, uh, this is all like this. You know, I mean, do you really want to take uh, the six months? I'm sure you don't need the money now. Your boy needs the money. God says, that's a foolish thing to do. Don't do it. There are three levels to be with God. Number one, level one, not committing and not doing anything. Number two, committing and not doing anything. You commit to serve, to be a worker, you're serving. But you always come late. You come late at 8 o'clock. You quickly join service. Don't do it. Step, don't be a worker. That's okay. Praise God. Yeah. Am I saying you shouldn't be? No, because there's a third level. Level three is those that commit and actually fulfill. Those are God's people. They are like God. He says and he does. So God is saying, I'd rather you don't commit than commit and not fulfill. But I'd rather you, beyond the two, you commit and you fulfill. Because you can't grow without commitment. I'd rather you commit and you fulfill. Jesus was talking about when people want to follow him in Luke 14. He says, if you want to follow me, you have to count the cost. He says, which man wants to build a house and doesn't sit down and, and, and count the cost? Or which king wants to go to battle and doesn't sit down and say, oh, can I go with 10,000? Or can I go with 20? Or will I overcome the one coming to me with 20? On the big decisions, count the cost. Yes, God wants you to make the big decisions, but he wants you to count the cost. He doesn't want you to make the big decisions, then count the cost after. He wants to count the cost so that when you're making the big decisions, your eyes are clear. You want to get married, praise God, but count the cost. Count the cost. Count the cost. Count the cost. There's someone I know that asked his wife, um, years, after, years after getting married, I mean, that would you still have married me with all you know now? It's a good question to ask your wife. Ah, so women are shaking their head. Like, 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 I would do it, you know. <laughs> now, it's a good question to ask. And I've asked my wife that. <laughs> okay, it's not someone I know. It's because someone I know. It's me. I was going to. I was going to camouflage it. <laughs> so I asked my wife, <laughs> after about how many years, about a decade or something, would you have married me? Would you marry me again? Would you, have, would you marry me again? Fine. You know? She says, absolutely. And I'm not saying it because she said absolutely. Here's the point. Because she said absolutely, I'll marry you again. Ten times over, I'll marry you again. Praise God. <laughs> But, 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 she said, I would have married you when I married you. We suffered too much. <laughs> I would have been more patient. You were confusing me. And I, and, well, 
I thought about that. I'm like, well, yes, we went through a lot, but it was part of our story. But again, is it necessary, you know, to take a woman through all that, you know? So, I don't know. I don't know. But she will marry me again. That's the important thing. <laughs> Praise God. Challenge you, ask your wife, would you marry me again? This week you'll be filled, of, filled with counseling appointments. <laughs> if you actually have the boldness to, to ask that question, go ahead and ask. You'll be shocked at what you will hear. Don't ask her, please. <laughs> Praise the Lord. The big decisions. If you make the big decisions, calm down. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. Don't rush it. The Luke 14 that you read says, if you want to go to war, you ask your counselors. You take counsel. Can I do this? In life, in Luke 19, Luke 19, Luke 19, sorry, Proverbs 19, Proverbs 2, it says, enthusiasm without knowledge is no good. Haste make waste. So, being, being zealous for, for nothing without knowledge, the Bible says it's, it's not very useful. It's not useful at all. Haste makes waste. Haste makes waste. Haste makes mistakes. People ruin their lives by their own foolishness. Then they, they do what? They are angry at God. You chose to marry the person you are married to, and you are angry that God, why did you allow me to marry the person. God, why did you allow me? Can you, can you see what people say? You're asking God, meanwhile, you decided to marry the person. We say, well, God, why did you choose to stop me? God doesn't work like that. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. That's why you need to get wisdom. Haste makes mistakes. You will not make mistakes in the mighty name of Jesus. Take your time. Don't waste your time. But take your time. Take your time. In fact, while procrastination is not good for productivity, you know, that's an established fact. I stumbled upon a research work that actually proves, and I actually saw my life in that research work, that procrastination is actually good for creativity. You know? I mean, I was, I was surprised. And, and so procrastination destroys productivity. However, procrastination fuels creativity. And I'm like, this is so true. And the guy drew a graph. And the, in the graph, I actually saw my, my creative pattern in that graph. And which is, if, you, if, if, you are, if, I'm, if I'm to deliver something at 12 o'clock, and I'm to start at 6 o'clock, at 6 o'clock, I may have a big picture of where I'm going with this. I may even have some sketchy outline of where I'm going with this. But I'm not able to get anything out. I'm chewing, I'm ruminating, and I'm turning it around. 7, 8, 9, 10. I begin to feel like birth pains sometimes, literally. I begin to feel pressure. I don't know what birth pains is, but like pressure, Right? No, by 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 time is eleven o'clock. Everything boom 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 boom. Eleven thirty, I'm done. Twelve o'clock, I deliver. So I, I used to think I had a problem. I was like, why am I always like this? Why do I have to come up for me? Can't you just do it at six? So guess what? Sometimes I will force myself. I'll, mm, 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 mm. I'll do it by six six thirty. I'm done. Boom. Guess what? At ten o'clock. I begin to get new directions. Boom, 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 boom. At 11, I scatter everything. I did at 6. <laughs> By 11.30, boom, I'm done. A lot of my work is creative work. I write software, creative work. Preparing for someone, same thing. So when I saw it, it actually liberated me that, oh, I am not the only one. The guy says, creative people are like that. Now, question. How many creative people are here that you think you can relate to this? Let me see your hands up. Okay, good, 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 good. So, so you see, you are not crazy. 
That is how we are. Praise God. <laughs> so, so procrastination is actually a tool of pro- uh, creativity. I never knew that. That procrastination is actually... Creative people, count, they, are the, they are best at procrastinating. But the disciplined ones, we always deliver. Always deliver. Oh, if you've done any print job, <laughs> you <can't>. <laughs> <laughs> your printer. Why are printers always late? Why are graphic people, designers, why are they always missing deadlines? It's the same problem. So you have to manage them in different ways. Don't rush. Don't rush. If you're an entrepreneur, the time, first mover's advantage, I'm sure you know, you've heard that over and over again. Now, in another research, it shows that first mover's advantage is a myth. It's a myth. That, in fact, companies that are improvers that are not the originator of the ideas, actually do better than the pioneers. Far better. From a statistics standpoint, companies that are pioneers have a failure rate of 47%. That is, every company that is a pioneer in any field or any any endeavor, it has 47% chance of failing. And they always fail. 47 out of 100 of them fail. But guess what? Improvers, the rate of failure is 8%. So you have 92% chance of succeeding. Why? Because you are improving on what somebody else has failed in. So why do we think we have to do something that is nobody else has seen? You need to answer your question. What do you want? Do you want to be wealthy or do you want to, to fail? <laughs> I'm not saying you shouldn't be innovative. I'm saying, point blank, it's okay to be second. It's okay to be second. Check. Technology companies, Microsoft, they didn't innovate many of the things that made them so wealthy. They didn't. From the PCDOS operating system, they were not the first. They copied code. Spreadsheets. They were not the first. Excel. We all know Excel. But not many people know Lotus 1, 2, 3. Lotus 1, 2, 3. How many people know Lotus 1, 2, 3? Ah, uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Good. They were not the first. What processing? How many people know what perfect? Okay, fewer hands. What perfect? Those guys practically broke the ground of what processing. But today nobody knows them. Why Microsoft came and improved on it. Graphical user interface. Microsoft wasn't the first. In fact, there were uh, um, other um, Debian-based graphical user interfaces apart from the Mac OS. But the Mac OS is, is the one we know. When Apple released the first Mac, Bill Gates abused it. Oh, graphical user interface, taking power away from the user. Then, before we knew it, Windows 95 came out. Today, apart if not for the revolution of Apple, nobody will know about Apple. Nobody. Everybody, Windows this, Windows that, Windows this, Windows that. You don't have to be the first. Check mobile phones. How many people use a Nokia phone today? The Symbian operating system. Do you even know what Symbian is? You don't. But you know what Android is. Nobody talks about it today. How many people in this room has a Blackberry phone with you that you are still using? Let me see your hands up, up so I can cast you out. <laughs> I'm joking though. I'm not casting you out. You are still using Blackberry. Ah, oh girl. In 2019. Now, there was a time until you had a Blackberry phone you don't even have a phone. And, and when the iPhone, the initial versions of iPhone came out, what did the uh, BlackBerry chief say? One of the chiefs said that it's a toy. Oh, it's just for small boys. People that want a real device come to BlackBerry. Today, BlackBerry is non-existent. 
After the iOS came the Android, a year after, today, Android devices own over 73% of the market. What am I saying? Being first is overrated. Elisha had double portion of what Elijah had. Being first is overrated. If your head is correct and you stay where God wants you to stay, even if you are second, you can have what God wants you to have. President of the Lord. That's why I ask you for the Lord. Ah, I need to tie it up together now. How many things did I say we'll do? Not two. Are you sure? Okay. So, don't rush doesn't mean don't move. Don't rush doesn't mean don't move. Be swift, but don't rush. Be swift in your thinking, but be controlled in your actions. Be swift in your thinking. Don't say, oh, pastor said don't rush, so I'm not going to rush. Thereby, I'm not going to do anything. No, 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 no. Don't rush doesn't mean don't move. So, number one, we need to know that outrage is not courage. Number two, don't rush. And number three, audacity, audacity, audacity. This is a whole chapter in the book, Winning, which you have, if you don't have, which you should have. You should get your copy of that book, the whole chapter in it. But audacity, audacity, audacity. You have to be audacious. You have to be audacious to take what God has for you. In fact, it's, it's audacity in many areas. Giving, for instance. It's audacity. It's courage to give a seed today for a harvest of tomorrow that you're not sure of. That is audacious. Hugely audacious. Abraham, God said, give this boy. Boom. David, same thing. He says to Arona, I won't give God what will not cost me. I need to give. I need to pay the full price. So it takes audacity. It takes audacity to accept your assignment. It takes audacity for you to have your plan of maybe doing a PhD. And God says, no, I want you to go and pastor a church. It takes audacity to jettison that plan and start a church that nobody knows and nobody, I mean, you're just obeying God. It takes audacity for you to embrace your assignment. It takes audacity. Ruth, it took audacity. Ruth, Ruth could have gone back. In fact, she got the option to go back. Ruth said to Naomi, where you go, I will go. Your God will be my God. Your people will be my people. It, she didn't stop there. So, so in, in other words, she didn't say, Naomi, if you don't treat me well, then I can come back home to Moab. No, 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 no. It says, where you live, I will live. Where you die. Whenever I read those kind of things, I'm like, this is crazy. God must honor it. Praise the name of the Lord. God must honor it. It takes audacity to embrace your assignment. It takes audacity. For some of us, we have our own plans, but God is nudging you in a direction. It takes audacity to embrace your assignment. It takes audacity to disregard negative words concerning your destiny. It takes audacity to disregard negative words concerning your destiny. Audacity. If 1 Samuel 17, David, <laughs> Goliath, the brother said to him, what have you come for? You're a stubborn little boy. You shouldn't be here. He disregarded it. Saul said to him, this boy, this man has been a warrior since youth. You are just a little boy. He disregarded it. Saul says, oh, until you wear my armor, you will not be able to fight. He disregarded it. He went and faced uh, Goliath. Goliath cursed him with his gods. He disregarded it. And Goliath walked towards David with his shield. 
with his shit bearing, uh, bearer ahead of him, snaring in contempt at the ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David that you have come to me with a stick. And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I will give your flesh to the birds and animals. Goliath yelled. David replied. You must reply. David replied to the Philistine. You come to me with a sword and a spear and javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. The God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. And I will kill you. And Cut off your head. And then, feed the bodies to all these of your people, to the birds of the air. And everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword or spear. This is the Lord's battle. And he will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack David, what did David do? David ran out to meet him. Audacity. Goliath came to... When Goliath moves towards you, what should you do? Run towards him. Today I will kill you. Don't turn your back on Goliath again. If you have been turning your back, today God will empower you. David knew where his source was. Zechariah 4, 6 says, It's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. By my spirit. Deuteronomy 32, 30 that we uh, mentioned earlier on said, How is it that one put a thousand to flight and two, ten thousand, if not that their rock sold them? The supernatural force that makes the difference is all you need in your life. Praise the name of the Lord. And David knew that with his audacity, if God did not back him up, it would be like that dog that had audacity to face the tiger. Question, did that dog have audacity or not? The dog was audacious. The dog was audacious. But what's the difference between the dog and David? David has the backup of the Lord of Heaven's armies. In fact, when David said to Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of the armies of heaven. That was when David killed Goliath. That was when, David, that was when Goliath died. Praise the name of the Lord. What Goliath is before you, don't go in your strength. Go in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. I want to pray with you if you're here. You're saying, Pastor, I can't say that I can go in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. I cannot say that I'm a child of God. I cannot say that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Can you pray with me? Yes, I want to pray with you. Should I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. I pray with you wherever you're seated. Oh, you're saying, Pastor, I, I used to be with God, but I am not with God. Can, I, can, can you also pray with me? Yes, I'll pray with you, my sister, my brother. Should I come forward? You don't need to come forward. The rest of us, let's talk to God about what we have heard. If that is me, Pastor, pray with me. Put up your hand now over your head. I will pray with you right there. If you put up your hand, put up your hand. Well, shoot it up. Don't just point, point. Shoot it up. God bless you. Over there. God bless you at the back. God bless you. Shoot it up. Shoot the hands up. God bless you. That is me, my brother. I see another hand over there. Another hand over there. Keep the hands up. God bless you. That is me. Pastor, pray with me. Pray with me. I want to confidently, confidently say to my Goliath. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Another hand over there. God bless you, sir. Another hand over there. God bless you, sir. I want to confidently another hand right there in front. God bless you, sir, my brother. Oh, God bless you. Another hand there. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. Another hand there. God bless you. I want to confidently say to my Goliath, I come to you in the name of the Lord of Heaven's armies. Whoa. That is me, Pastor, pray with me. Just of us, let's talk to God. You know, you, for, for you, you may, you, the instruction to you is to 
control your anger. Don't confuse outrage with courage. For some of us, we need to be, we need to be patient. Don't rush. Yet for some of us, we need to be audacious. We need to run towards the Goliath. Run towards the Goliath. Oh, Father, we thank you. Lord, we pray for everyone that is surrendering to you today. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, breathe upon these ones, Lord. Change these lives, Lord, and let your name be glorified. Every one of us, so God of heaven, as we take bold steps, we'll take territories for you. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are afraid. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord Jesus as we...